Yeah. So he goes on, and if you look at verse 12 through verse 14, you notice it's written in a different type of uh, style of font. And uh, it's basically written in a way that shows it's more or less a quotation or it's poetry. And so this is not uh, prose. It's more like a poetic declaration. He says, I've written to you, little children. This is verse 12, chapter 2. I I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. And then he goes back to the children. He's kind of... (laughs) putting uh, believers into categories. I've written, I write to you, little children, because you've known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. So some of the the, the things he says is, I'm writing to you, number one, you've known the Father, very important. Of course, we know the Father only through the Son, Jesus Christ, and then he says, uh, I, I like especially what he says in the last part of this. He says, I've written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you. Uh, our strength is based not on how many hours we work out at the gym or how much weight we can lift. Our strength is based on knowing the word of God and having it live inside of us. Mm. If you want to truly be strong, study your Bible, read your Bible, meditate on Scripture, and read it daily, Mm. and you will grow in strength. And if all you do is go to the gym every day and you don't read the Bible, and it's it's amazing. Americans will spend hours at the gym, spend time driving to the gym, working out, driving back, taking a shower. They they spend a lot of time involved with their exercise routine, and exercise is good. I'm not against it. But a lot of those same people, they won't spend five minutes in the Bible. They'll spend an hour plus between driving, working out, and driving back home. Mm. They won't spend five minutes actually reading the Bible. And that's why we have so much air and uh, weird doctrines running around the mm. church today. People just don't read the Bible. But Here, John talks about young men. He says, you're strong, not because you're young, not because you lift weights. He says, the word of God abides in you. Pretty important, huh? Yeah, it's very important. I I kind of uh, like this part uh, because uh, it it is really great when we go to church on Sunday and then we hear the sermon, uh, you know, from the preacher yeah and uh we go home and uh, it's good to you know read the bible and uh, um meditate also uh within you and the holy spirit what that place you know you had is saying and at the same time read on read more places uh in the bible um if you're a, a new believer you can start with you know from john like you know and read uh so many things about jesus and that will help you, like you know, that place helped you, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. you know, reading the word helped you a lot, and it helped me a lot, uh, you know. And at the same time, reading the word and getting the word inside us by ourselves helps because everybody, ha- as a believer, we have Holy Spirit in us, and Holy Spirit helps us. You know, in interpretation of the word. Yeah, uh, you may hear the interpretation of the preacher. You may hear the interpretation of uh, some in the Sunday school, 
uh, teaching you. But when you read and pay attention and they pray to the Lord to you know help you, you will see that version of the Bible in a different way. Yeah. All right. Well, he goes on now to talk about the world. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a church where the, they talked about the world a lot. Nowadays, mm-hmm. most pastors hardly mention it. And there were a lot of practices that were considered worldly. Mm. Uh, you know, and uh, mom or dad or the pastor might say, well, you shouldn't do this because it's too worldly. Mm-hmm. And I think they took it overboard. I mean, they thought almost everything was worldly. Watching television was worldly. Going to a baseball game was worldly. Going bowling was worldly. Mm. Uh, I, I don't buy that. You know, I, God doesn't expect us to just sit around our house reading the Bible all day long. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going bowling or going to a baseball game or uh, watching an innocent TV show, although there aren't so many innocent ones anymore. Mm. But anyway, John talks about the world. He says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Well, we have to first kind of define what does he mean by world. He's not talking about the planet. You know, sometimes we talk about it's a great big world. Mm. We're talking about the planet, Earth. Mm. Uh, when John says don't love the world, he's talking about the ungodly culture that surrounds us. So most people in almost every society are not born again. And they have their own ideas about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. They have their own music. They have their own entertainment. They like their own certain singers. And basically, if these likes and dislikes and uh, and culture are determined by people that don't know Christ, they'll get it wrong every time. Mm. They'll just get it wrong. And so they'll like people they really ought not to like. There are a lot of entertainers and there are a lot of singers that are very popular. And the reality is nobody ought to like them. They're so ungodly. They're so sensual. Their lyrics are so stupid and anti-Christian that they ought to do a concert and have absolutely nobody show up for it. But it's not the case. They have, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people that love them and want their autograph and come to their concerts. And it's a totally worldly uh, viewpoint and perspective and Mm. the songs. It's just garbage, really. So John is saying, and of course they didn't have pop singers in those days, Mm -hmm. but there has always been a a culture associated with every place you live. Mm. He's saying don't love that culture that surrounds you that has been affirmed by ungodly people. The songs, the music, the philosophy, the YouTube videos that they're promoting are ungodly. He says, don't love that stuff. Don't love the things that are in the world. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that's pretty strong. Mm. He's like, if you really love the world, you love the entertainment of the world, you love the comedians with their raunchy uh, sexual jokes, you love the TV shows that are just filthy. He says, you love all that? The love of the Father is not in you. Mm. If you had any sense, if you had, if you really had the love of God in you, you'd know that was evil, that was foolish, that was something Christians ought not to partake of, and you'd turn away from it. So he's being real strict, saying, do not love the world. Mm. And if you do, uh, God's love isn't in you. He says, all that's in the world, and he lists three categories of things that are in the world that we should avoid. Number one, the lust of the flesh things that your flesh wants. Mm-hmm. Number two, the lust of the eyes, things that are sparkling and glittery to your eyes. Mm. And number three, the pride of life. Mm. So much of the world and the the culture of the ungodly is all about pride. It's look at me, I'm cool, I'm tough, I've got it together, I'm beautiful. Mm. 
And it's like, that's the pride of life, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, and a lot of the, especially the female entertainers and singers, I mean, they come out on their concerts dressed with, you know, very little on, showing off all their attributes, many of which have been artificially enhanced and they've had surgeries to make them look bigger and better. And uh, he says all that, this this pride, this, this uh, tendency to show off the body and show off everything and they come out wearing bling 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 and everything else and everybody goes ooh everybody says ooh I wish I looked like that well maybe you might if you spent all the money they spent on cosmetic surgery and thousand dollar dresses and so forth he says all of that he says it's not of the father it's of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever you know I'm old enough to remember the you know they call them sex symbols or are the the women that were considered very sexy and attractive back when i was a kid people like marilyn monroe and jane mansfield and you know young people today they wouldn't hardly know them very well most everybody's heard of marilyn monroe but anyway mm. they're all dead now they're all gone they they grew to be old women or in some cases they died young and they're all gone and there's a new batch and now you think about the new batch of entertainers and, and uh, they're all going to be gone in another 30, 40, 50 years or they'll be old women and they're not going to be attractive. And I don't mean to just pick on women, but women seem to go for this, uh, <laughs> the certain dress and style in life uh, that uh, J- uh, John seems to be talking here. So he says, don't be so impressed. You know, I, I think that's kind of the sum of it all. He says, don't be so easily impressed, or at least it seems to me that's what he's saying, by people that all they've got is this tendency to show, uh, you know, to show off to the pride of life. He's like, all that's going to pass away. They'll be gone. But people that live for God, and they're more concerned with holiness than trying to impress people with their looks, he says, they'll live forever. Mm. All right, any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, um, the thing is like, uh, you, you know, in, in Christianity, we look at things differently. Uh, it's not as if, uh, we are Mr. and Mrs. know it all, but we try our best based on the Bible, you know, on the Word of God that is the Word of God teaching us what to do and what not to do, what we should know and what we should just ignore and then move forward. And, uh, at the same time, um, what this verse here is describing is so important because uh, these are uh, these three things here that you know verse sixteen and uh, uh, if you read way down is describing um, is you know the lust of the flesh, um, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the whole thing is like combined together. What you know um, made uh, Eve. Um, seen and uh, in the Garden of Eden, yeah, looking at what the devil was showing him, right? Uh, participating in the you know the activities of the devil that he brought up, uh, you know, eating activities like <laughs> let's eat some food. Adam is is gone. Has he provided for you today? God provided everything for you. Eat as much as you want, and then that same one that the Lord said, "Do not touch it." Then the devil started walking around it. Has God said, and then Eve looking at it, 
got, you know, interested, the loss of the eyes, you know, he, he she was lost in after, after yeah. that fruit. It looked good. It looks good. And she was pretty sure it was going to taste good, which apparently it did. Uh-huh. And uh, also there was the pride of thinking, well, I can be like God. Yeah. Which is what Satan told her, you exactly. know, you'll be like God. Mm. So all three of those applied, and sure enough, she fell for it. And mm. basically every temptation we face is going to relate to one of those three, the lust yeah. of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he is saying, when you base your life on lust and pride, uh, you're going to pass away. Mm. But if you base your life on Christ and God and holiness, you will live forever. Mm. All right, he goes on to say, little children. Once again, he calls them little children. He says, it is the last hour. The Even the apostles were looking for Christ to come at any time. It's the last hour. We're in the last days, and we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years. He says, as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming even now. Many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. There were people already that had that Antichrist spirit. Now, they weren't the Antichrist, mm. but they had an Antichrist spirit. So he says, many of these come. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. So these guys were people, men, maybe women, mm. that had been of us. They, uh, they had been with the church, and then they had gone to do their own thing and promote their own uh, ministry, if you want to call it that, that was uh, where they left Christ out and they started some new religion or new doctrine. Mm. And he said, if they'd really been part of us, they would have stayed with us. But they went out to show, to make manifest that they were not really of us. In other words, even when they were with us, mm. they really weren't part of us. They were they were just hanger-ons. Mm. And they hung on in, in the church and uh, made some friends, made some uh, buddies, and then they left. Mm. And John calls them Antichrist. They had that Antichrist spirit. Mm. He says, but you, verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Mm. Talks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Mm. He says, you know all things. You understand that these people weren't of God. He says, I haven't written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So in mm. other words, you guys that I'm writing to, you know the truth. And then he goes on to say, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So he's saying, if you deny Jesus, you are a liar and you don't have God. He said, he's Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever mm. denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So now he's talking about faith. Earlier he talked about lifestyle. And he said, you say you're in the, the light, but you hate your brother, you're in darkness. You say you're of God, but you don't keep his commandments. You're mm. just a liar. So he's talking about the lifestyle that goes with the faith. Now he's talking about the faith itself. He says, if you don't embrace Jesus by faith, you don't have the Father. You don't have God. Mm. If you acknowledge the Son, Jesus Christ, then you have the Father also. There have been several talk show hosts that interview pastors and prominent Christians, and they love to say, well, what about this group? Or what about that group? They don't really believe in Jesus. Are you telling me they don't go to heaven? Mm. Well, John says it very plainly. He says, if you don't have the Son, if you don't mm. embrace the Son and acknowledge the Son, who is Jesus... You don't have the Father. So the answer to that question, if someone asks you, what about this certain group of people? Uh, they don't believe in Jesus, but they're good people. They're good religious people. Are, are you telling me they're not going to go to heaven? John's answer would be, that's right. They don't have the Son. They don't have the Father. Mm. 
they don't acknowledge Jesus, they don't get God. Mm. If you want God, you better acknowledge Jesus, which of course is exactly what Jesus told us mm. in John's first book, the, the gospel, the first one in, that we read of in the Bible, where Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Jesus is the only way to God. <laughs> Jesus is the only way to heaven. Right. Jesus um, says to us, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. So, and these three things combined together makes it so authentic that there is no other way, there is no other truth that is, that is uh, bigger than the one that is in Jesus that he has let us know that we have a father yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he says to his disciples, "When you want to pray, pray this way, <laughs> our Father who is in heaven." So that is him telling us, "We got a Father." Yep, He lives in heaven, and that is the truth. He is our Savior. He is our God. He is our Jesus. You know, our Lord and Savior. And he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to heaven. I am the way to 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 God the Father in heaven. If you want to make it to the right side of evolutionary curve." To heaven, if you want to make it to heaven, <laughs> this is the only way. And then, uh, uh, so he has given us the truth, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth. Preach it, Benedicta. Boom. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the one that have given us life, yeah. and Jesus is life. So John here is definitely declaring that salvation is by faith. He yeah. says, you, you, you have Jesus, you get God. Mm. You don't have Jesus, you don't have God. Mm. And, of course, the way you get Jesus is by faith. So... Earlier, he's talking about how there should be a lifestyle change, but here he's talking about how you initially come into the kingdom, which is through faith in Jesus. Yeah. So he's not contradicting Paul. He's not contradicting faith, but he is saying, along with your faith, there should come a change of life and mm -hmm. a godly life. He says, therefore, this is verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. John likes the word abide. You know, John 15, of course, is the famous abiding chapter. Mm. And there's no other gospel, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, that yeah. talk about G that what Jesus said about abiding mm. and Nicodemus. That's only found in John. And now here, once again, he's talking about abiding. In this case, he says, what you heard should abide in you, should mm. remain in you, should stay with you. Mm. And he says, uh, if, the, if it does, then you're going to abide in the Son and in the Father. You're going to remain. So John is real big on abiding, staying mm. put. You know, you're in Christ, you stay there. Mm. You're in the Word, you stay there. The Word's in you, you keep it there. Abide, abide, abide. Don't let anything move you off the mark mm. of walking with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, and this is the promise He has promised us, eternal life. Now, He's given us other promises as well, but the big one is eternal life. Mm. that you, little Benedicta, and me, little Dennis, and all the rest of the believers all across the world, in Africa and Asia and America and South America mm. and everywhere else, that all the believers are going to live forever. Mm. When we look at people today and you watch them age, uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to live forever. You know, you get older and the wrinkles come and you don't look quite as good as you once did and you get older still and you're weaker and you don't walk so good mm. and you stoop, you sometimes you walk stooped over. You don't see so good. You don't hear so good. And it's like, boy, they're, they're running down fast. They won't be long for this world. But John says, no, 
you're he God has promised us mm. eternal life. Now, mm. of course, we're going to die physically, but spiritually, we're going to live forever. You're going to be around, Benedicta, a million years from now. And guess what? The aches and pains that you struggle with now, you won't have them. Praise God, hallelujah, the, glory the, to God. Ah, yeah, mm, all the, all the, the, all the <laughs> issues we struggle with in this life. Yeah. We're not going to have them. Hallelujah. Year after year, millennia after millennia, mm. million years go by, a billion years, a trillion years, a gazillion years, uh, of, of perfect life, mm. eternal life through Jesus Christ. What a gift. Yeah, that's a wonderful gift, all right. That makes my day today and, you know, makes me feel good and better. <laughs> like, you know, after all this trouble in this world, I'm not going to face it again. <laughs> not going to see it again. I'm not going to experience it again. You know, uh, it's not as if uh, the world by itself is terrible. The world the Lord made is perfect and wonderful. But, you know, we in the world are the ones making it look like it's a horrible place yeah. to live. <laughs> well, and yeah, there are a lot of blessings in this life. It's not life light. It's not as though life has uh, no pleasures to it for the Christian. God answers our prayers. Mm. He gives us, you know, a spouse and a family, and he gives us a home to live in and food to eat and, you know, things to do. So it's not terrible, but... Yeah, the trouble that we go through. There is struggle. <laughs> there is there is trouble. There yeah. are pains. There is such a thing as sickness. Mm. And uh, we struggle, and we yearn for a, a life where that struggle and that pain and that suffering is gone, and, yeah. and it is guaranteed yeah. through Jesus Christ. And that is even better where we're going to live everlasting without this, you know, trouble of uh, uh, so many things, going yeah. through a lot, and, uh, you know, uh, a campaign carrying this body that, you can, you know, do too much with at the same time. It's full of uh, pains that you don't know where it came from. And uh, God is like guaranteed. God is guaranteeing us like, you know, come to me and you will not experience all this uh, again. Jesus woke up from the tomb with a perfect body. I, 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 may, I may be wrong with that. But when he came out of that tomb, we didn't see all the trouble that he went through going in there. No, he, he, <laughs> somehow he kept the wounds in his hands mm. and in his For uh, side yeah. uh, to show his disciples. But uh, otherwise, he all was, that bleeding, you know, yeah, I, he, the, he was fine. Then just cleaned him up or something. I don't know. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so the next section, John talks about, I've written these things. Uh, concerning those who try to deceive you. Apparently, there were some people that were trying to move them away from Christ into cultish beliefs. He says, I'm trying to straighten you guys out here. He says, the anointing you've received from him, from God, abides in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. In other words, I'm teaching you, but mm. you don't really need it because you've got the anointing. And he says, just as that anointing has taught you, you will abide in him. So he's mm. like, stay there, guys. Mm. Stay in Christ. Stay in the word. Stay with what you've been taught. Don't let the devil move you. Mm. You know, for many of us who are strongly Christian and, and you take God seriously, you take the Bible seriously, the devil knows he's not going to probably be able to get you to completely backslide mm. where mm. you just deny God altogether. But if he could just move you to the side yeah. where you believe a lot of weird stuff and you, you no longer really are fruitful or productive he'll be pretty satisfied. Mm. So John is like, don't you go anywhere. Mm. Don't you leave the word. Don't you leave the faith. Don't you leave staying in the word. Don't you leave your dependence on Christ and just keep abiding. Again, mm. John was real big on abiding. 
Finally, he says, now little children, third time he's mentioned them as little children, his readers, abide in him, there it is again, abide in Jesus, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. He's like, you don't want to be ashamed when Jesus calls you to himself. And he says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Once again, now he's getting back to lifestyle. He says, if you know that he is righteous, well, we know that, don't we? Mm. We know that Jesus is righteous. He says, well, just the same way, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. The implication, if you don't practice righteousness, if you live an ungodly, lawless, wicked, selfish, sexually immoral life, you've not been born of God. You can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord all day long, but you've not been born of God. But he says, everyone who practices a righteous lifestyle is born of him. Mm. Christ has given you a heart Mm. to live for him, to obey him, to follow him. Mm. And it's evidence. It doesn't save you saying, well, I'm going to start living righteously. Mm. I'm going to start living morally. That doesn't save you. What saves you is your faith in Jesus. But if uh, if you've really got faith, that righteousness is going to start manifesting in your life. There's no getting around this. John is so plain. He is so clear about this. You just can't escape it. There has to be a godly lifestyle to go along with your faith. You don't have it. You don't belong to Christ. You're just deceiving yourself. You're just a liar. And that's what John is saying uh, through these first couple of chapters. My wife, Benedicta, has led one of the most amazing and dramatic lives of anyone I've ever known. In her childhood, she was forced to quit school and sell food from door to door just to enable her and her elderly stepmom to survive. At the age of 14, she went to work for a man as a housemaid. He required her to cook, clean, do farm work, and serve as a nanny to his children. She was forced to get up at 4 a.m. to begin her duties, but worse than her enormous workload was the fact that the man for whom she worked had a hot temper and frequently beat her savagely. At the age of 20, with no support and very little money, she moved to the huge city of Lagos. And one year there, she experienced a terrible sickness. And at one point, she lay on the floor of her room so weak she could not move. And even her desperate prayers involved only the moving of her lips. She had no strength to pray aloud. At last, she became comatose and suddenly found herself in a beautiful place where an angel gave her a tour of heaven. After a while, she found herself back in her tiny room where she sobbed for a long time, knowing that all her problems and her sickness were still with her. Eventually, Benedicta recovered, and a few years later, she attended an evangelistic meeting held by an American evangelist, and that evangelist was, of course, me. We met. We developed a telephone courtship after I returned home, and eventually I returned to Nigeria and married her, after which we began to minister together as a team both in evangelism and in an unusual YouTube ministry called Beat Diabetes. Benedict has written her life story in an autobiography titled When Destiny Calls. You can get this book either as an e-book or a paperback on Amazon. Just go to their website and type Benedict Pollock in the search engine. You'll be amazed, blessed, and inspired as you read of the faithfulness of God in the life of a girl and then a woman who learned to trust in and call on God. Mm-hmm. 